Disclaimer. The following presentation is intended for mature audiences. It may contain graphic description of crime scenes, adult dialogue, and or strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone! Welcome back to another episode of Awkward and Confused. I'm one of your hosts, Silvina. And I'm Araceli. How are you doing, sister? (laughs) (laughs) Doing pretty good. I uh, made the mistake of drinking a monster on my way home earlier this evening and I'm still feeling the effects so I'm sorry if I'm I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm <laughs> wired up I can't even talk uh, that sounds like a fun time yeah um, not really <laughs> I don't remember the last time I had a monster you shouldn't even be drinking those they're not good for you I know they're so bad but you know what sometimes you just do what you gotta do okay <laughs> was the drive okay at least yeah it was fine did you even need it you probably only thought you needed it to get you there um yeah honestly I think sometimes it's like more in my head like I feel like I need to like be sipping on something and even though something else would have done I felt like I needed the monster (laughs) how was your weekend I had a pretty good weekend went back home saw family a few friends and yeah nothing crazy nice you um same old same old so some of the uh, kitchen upgrades are done so was putting stuff back and now I've kind of done a deep dive into kitchen organization in the TikTok world (sighs) so now that's kind of taken over my life (laughs) sounds but yeah so I um I've been doing that and then listening to uh true crime podcasts like I do yes those are a must. I feel like yeah. those are like great for when you're cleaning or doing household stuff like that. Or driving. Or driving too. Yep. Yeah. Too awake. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. But it got me thinking as I was doing that and trying to find stories I hadn't heard yet, that that might be a good uh, topic of conversation for today. I feel um, like it's a, like you and I in general, I think we we're very similar, but definitely very different. But this is one of those things that we definitely, I think, have in common. Oh, yeah. I think, um, when did we start <laughs> with <laughs> listening to true crime or getting into true crime podcast? Because that's kind of where it started, right? It, yeah, it's been a couple of years. Well, for me, it wasn't even podcast. I mean, mine goes whew, way back. Um, I actually uh, got into it years and years ago um when buzzfeed had this network that they had just launched called buzz buzzfeed unsolved network or buzzfeed unsolved um but yeah it basically it it was this uh youtube channel that had uh these two guys basically telling stories of unsolved mysteries it started off initially as like crimes and then it went on to like more paranormal or unexplainable type stuff Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that's kind of where true crime started. Mm. Yeah. And then from there it transitioned into a podcast. What about for you? I didn't even know that. I'm, I'm like perplexed because <laughs> I didn't know this about you. What the heck? Um, um, yeah, I feel like I might have told you this. Maybe not. No, I don't know. I, really <laughs> I feel like so. we've definitely bonded over podcasts. Maybe not YouTube. <laughs> it was okay. So when we started bonding over it, it felt like it was the, was it the Adnan, uh, Adnan site? Uh, yep. Adnan said, uh, yeah. through cereal, 
cereal. Yeah, yeah. it was that. But I actually was into it before that as well mm-hmm. with, um, I think for me, it actually really started with the Casey Anthony case mm-hmm. because I was so invested. I watched the entire uh, trial mm-hmm. for her and, you know, from beginning to end every day. Yeah. Um, and that was a weeks long trial. That was a long trial. Yeah. But then there was that trial. And then the next one after that, that I was really invested with was the Alma de Real case. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. But then after that was, I think this was what, three, four years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's been years. Maybe longer that we started listening to uh, true crime podcasts. And that's yeah. where, um, yeah, this all kind of started. Yeah. You know, I remember the Casey Anthony trial. Um, I, I was working and I remember that the trials were always on, of course, during my working hours. So we were never able to watch. Um, but you're right, I guess, if, if you took it out of like the entertainment world, so to speak, it does go back to even, you know, trials that you followed, you know, on TV. And then there was also like, um, you know, like the last 48 or the first 48 shows like snapped discovery files and uh-huh. investigation inv- uh, invest- investigation, investigation discovery investigation discovery channel. yeah like yeah. always um, oxygen those mm-hmm. yeah but yeah they say that people that are into that are maybe a little bit messed up in the head and I well, don't know if I agree or not. <laughs> uh, you know, we've, we've always talked about how you and I kind of have never fit in any sort of mold <laughs> in particular. So maybe. <laughs> Might be some truth. Might be some truth to it. But yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, you, you talked about how you followed Casey Anthony, but after that, you said you kind of jumped into podcasts. Um, there was the Casey Anthony trial and then mm-hmm. um the one the other uh case or story that I was really invested in was the Alma del Real case mm-hmm. which actually was not a podcast that one wasn't even like a show it wasn't, or anything no I was that, gonna say it was more we heard about it because so, we have family and friends in the area where this happened mm-hmm. right yep I think that's where we heard it I'm sure it was on Facebook um I guess we can go into this. I think we should maybe talk about our we should most uh what is it? You know, calling it a favorite crime story I, yeah, is I don't awful. Wanna, I was gonna say favorite because I don't want to yeah, no, um, so maybe that. something we've really invested ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like truly with truly with true crime, <laughs> um, a lot of these cases you you kind of get invested into them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think a lot of these, these cases that I've listened to, they're, they're really, truly, really sad, but I think some of them you're more drawn to than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really get invested, whether yeah. it's through, you know, time or efforts and trying to help or, you know, emotionally somehow, or because there's a tie of some sort, but yeah, I think there's always some sort of a, of an investment, mm-hmm where it's more than just, oh, I listened to this for an hour and then I moved on to the next one when the next episode got released or the next news article came up or the next post came up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely call think- it maybe the ones that we're most invested in. Yeah. Um, 
but this was uh, Alma del Real. She, I actually first saw, I'm sure it was one of our friends or family from South Bend, Indiana. Um, they were posting these posts of a missing person, a uh, 22 year old girl that went missing in April of 2015. Yeah, so not too long ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Wasn't too long ago, but six years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, the story for her was that she went out to dinner one Saturday night with some friends, a place called Brothers Bar. Um, from dinner, they went out to a club or I guess pub or bar mm-hmm. uh, called Studio Rumba. I guess it's something that she went to often. And, you know, she had a night out with her friends at the bar, dancing, talking to everyone. And uh, the friend that she initially had gone out with uh, gave her a ride home. And then after dropping her off, he offered to walk her inside. She declined. Um, He took off. And fortunately, he did not see her walk into her house. And that was the last time that anyone saw her alive. Apparently, she had a uh, cosmetology conference in Chicago the following day. And so the friend that she was going to go with was, you know, messaging her, trying to get a hold of her. She wasn't answering. She went to her house, no answer. And so she ended up uh, going alone. But from there on out, there was, you know, a it almost turned into a nationwide search for her. Uh And she was missing for six weeks. Um, There were no leads. I mean, I think... Every now and then they would get phone calls or tips, you know, mm-hmm. at one point the FBI got involved because somebody said something about uh, possible human trafficking and that was kind of, uh, you know, shut down there. They didn't yeah. find any proof of that. And then there was some prostitution or something of that sort. And that wasn't, that didn't lead anywhere. But, you know, after that, they kind of went back and looked over everything and kind of went to see, you know usually who they look at, I'm assuming, is the last person who saw her alive. So that was her friend, Alberto. And they interviewed him again. And it sounded like they're, up to that point there, he'd been really consistent with his story. But that time they interviewed him, this week, six weeks after, he had one detail change. And it was that after he dropped her off, apparently she tried to FaceTime him and he declined the call. First, he said he declined the call because he assumed that she wanted to go eat somewhere and he, I guess he didn't want to take her for whatever reason, decided not to answer the call. This time he said that he didn't hear the call because his music was too loud. So there was an inconsistency there. And so they were kind of hounding down on that. And so they kept, I'm assuming, pressuring him, trying to get the story straight. And um, I think at one point they asked him to show him uh, show them his cell phone and that's when he became uncomfortable you know up to the point he'd been very um agreeable and forthcoming and um you know willing to help and had been helping with the search and everything but at that point he became uncomfortable and was kind kind of resistant and didn't want to but ended up giving the cell phone over uh they found that the towers where he had pinged his cell phone location was at Alma's house. He was there for apparently two hours after he claimed that he had dropped her off. And then uh, there were pings in what sounded like was uh, Marshall County, Mm -hmm. which is around the area, uh, but outside of the city of Culver. So, um, you know, they were like, you know, what were you doing out here? He was just not giving any, really any responses. Mm -hmm. And I think he ended up changing his story and saying that 
she apparently she or her family owed money to a cartel <sighs> and that they were there and they kidnapped her and they told him to take off and that he shouldn't say or do anything and um then something about a gang kidnapping her um and i think finally he just broke down and took them to where the body was that's awful yeah he continued to change his story and unfortunately I don't think that they ever really got the truth out of him he obviously was arrested and charged for her murder but you know six weeks out from the murder you know they found their body she was unfortunately so badly decomposed that they couldn't really define what the cause of death was he claimed that when he dropped her off he didn't actually drop her off he went inside that they had consensual sex and when they were done she tried blackmailing him saying that if you don't give me x amount of money i'm going to tell your girlfriend and everyone that you raped me um and that apparently from there there was an altercation he shoved her she hit her head became unconscious which he thought she was dead so to cover things up, which this doesn't make sense to me, to cover things up, he tried uh, strangling her or just choking her neck or wrapping his hands around her neck to make it look like he strangled her. That's ridiculous. Um, My goodness. And and then after that, it you know, he panicked and got rid of the body. I don't know. It's unfortunate because they really don't know, you know, what, what, actually, what happened. actually happened. They said, you know, from all of the reports of what had happened, um, she wasn't interested in him. This girl was beautiful. She's, you know, a young 22 year old girl. She was, you know, into makeup and, you know, she had a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of guys that wanted to be with her. And she had made it clear to one of her friends that night that she was not interested in him and that, you know, her friend was telling her, you know, just be honest. I just want to be friends. And so because of all of these other stories, it wasn't making sense that she would have wanted to pursue anything with him and so um prosecution you know came after him for that and basically said this was all out of your unfulfilled desire of wanting to be with her and her rejecting you and um he was sentenced to uh 60 years in prison i don't believe his stories but he you know to me i i I don't believe it um and I just wish he would have said, like, what really was the reason, what it really happened, because it just give people I, the peace mm-hmm. to know the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, he's already paying for what he's doing. So the least he could do, if he had any at all remorseful of it, is just give people the truth so mm-hmm. that they can be at, not that you can be at peace with something like that, but kind of at least accept and try to grieve you know at least with the truth and that was I mean that was for me that was a hard case um because at the beginning you know when she was missing like I'd seen from like I think the third second or third day that she was missing uh-huh. um you know everyone was posting her pictures and like her her last snapchat videos and yeah you know they were um I think there were also some videos uh, from the bar that she was mm-hmm. at and like she was in the background and it's just, you know, at that time it was just very real and like very like hitting home because right. that could happen to, you know, any of us. It could be um, anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was probably one of those stories that I still, I actually still think about her often. I think about the story, story so much and I just feel like it could really happen to a lot of us. 
No, unfortunately, because yeah. this guy, they said that he had no priors, no prior convictions of anything. He didn't mm -hmm. seem like the type of guy that would do this kind of thing. So it just like makes you wonder like what, what, what really snap. happened? Well, you never, that also makes you kind of wonder too, like you never really know what's going on kind of in someone's head yeah. and what that trigger, like you're saying, you know, what made him snap? What's that trigger? What, like you said, what happened that night that caused that snap? for him to yeah. decide that that was really truly not necessarily that he's saying that's the right course of action but that made him decide like this is what I need to do mm -hmm. yeah that's crazy yeah that's one of those it's one of those cases that kind of stays with you well but. and you know you mentioned you know how they had been posting like her last snaps and you know videos of like that night and that really humanizes a person I mean, not that nobody's human or, you know, but I think like in this day and age, because you have all of that, like it makes it not that it's any less real, but it's like that, that was someone who was like enjoying life. They were out having a great time. It's something that people in her age range, I mean, that's what they do. Like you said, it's, it, it could truly happen to just about anyone because that's like, an, I'm sure for her, it was like a, a normal fun weekend evening and probably nowhere in her mind did she ever suspect that her life would end that night. Yeah. So much less by the hands of a friend. Yeah. No, that's that's a hard one. I think once you, when you hear cases like that and then you dive deep into it and you're following it, it makes it something that definitely sticks with you. And then you you think about it often because like you're saying, you know, it could be any of us, you probably find a lot that kind of sticks with you. Yeah. So a lot of it when it as it's happening or when it happens, you you can truly put yourself in their place. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah, sad. That's one of mine. Um, okay, so my case that I got pretty invested in out of the many, there's a bunch, um, is one that's probably a little less relatable to like you and I. Um, it's an older case, but it's actually the case that got me super obsessive <laughs> about True Crime Podcasts. And so a lot of you out there, if you listen to podcasts, you may have heard of Serial, which covers the murder of Heyman Lee, which is also the uh, investigation and ultimately the conviction of Adnan Saeed of her murder. So it's been a little while, so I might be a little rusty on the case, so I apologize in advance. But in 1999, Heyman Lee disappeared um, after having been, been seen leaving school. She was last seen by a friend, and she was supposed to be at the time thought to be uh, going to pick up, I believe it was her little cousin or her brother or sister or something like that, but she never showed up, which became very, became very suspicious because it was very out of character for her. She was um, actually a very responsible student. Um, she was an athlete. She did really well. And she was, again, obviously interested to take care of her family afterwards, um, after school. So it was just very odd for her to like disappear and then not let anybody know where she was. Police, once they started investigating her disappearance, honed in at the time at, on her ex-boyfriend, which was Adnan Saeed, saying basically, you know, that there was enough of a connection there to basically kind of create a case for, you know, making her disappear potentially. During the investigation, there was a lot of stuff that came up that made him look bad, like the cell phone that he had just gotten that had pinged around towers where she was eventually found. But it was later also 
identified that there was someone else that was potentially involved, which was a name that kept popping up quite a bit, which was Jay Wilds, who essentially ended up pointing the finger back at Edna and saying, you know, that he'd shown him the body in the trunk of the car. You know, when they found Heyman Lee's body, basically there were suspicions Again, that it was Adnan basically because Hay, Hay had moved on and had this new boyfriend, Don, and nobody was really looking at Don and maybe they needed to. So that was another thing that kind of raised questions, you know, throughout the podcast that I was listening to, you know, because Don had, I guess, you could say suspicious time cards for work for the time of her disappearance where his mom, who was his manager, had basically gone in and altered in the system his time card for working at a location that was not his normal location of work. Ultimately, they ended up basically saying, you know, doesn't look like Dawn's involved in this, but they went back to Adnan um, at one point when they had discovered that she had disappeared. They had mentioned that, I guess, to Adnan and Adnan called the police, which they took um, as they deemed it suspicious because they thought he was trying to essentially insert himself into the investigation. So that kind of raised more red flags to the police. There were other, other things, you know, they just, if you listen to these podcasts, they've gone into a lot of detail, but there were calls that were made that didn't necessarily line up also with Adnan having killed Heyman Lee. So there was a lot of controversy around, you know, what happened and when it happened, and then, of course, how it happened. Um, ultimately, based on this evidence, they ended up arresting Adnan Saeed. I believe at the time he was 17, um, about to turn 18, and was and ended up being tried as an adult, if I recall correctly. As the case was being reviewed, um, a lot of you, if you've heard some of these t- um, podcasts, um, which, like I said, was Serial, and then following Serial, they go into much more detail in another po- podcast called um, Undisclosed. But um, Ravi Chaudhry actually goes into detail of how she goes, you know, through the fam- with the family, you know, trying to basically get justice for Adnan because they explained that there was just no way that he ha- could have committed this crime based on the time- timeline that they had set up. All- also, uh, during the Undisclosed podcast, they ended up coming across an AT&T disclosure that basically said um, that the files that they were looking at were mostly accurate for calls that were... Um, I can't recall, you know, which one they were looking at, but incoming or outgoing, and the call that they were trying to pin Adnan on would have been a not accurate record of the call. So there was a lot kind of hanging on to Adnan's case based on all of this information, but ultimately, um, he's been in jail this entire time, and he's been um, attempting to overturn his conviction and prove his innocence this entire time. Um, but in listening to the podcast, and actually, I think you and I talked about this a little bit, um, there are people who are very split on whether he's innocent or he's guilty. Um, and I think you were leaning more towards, mm, maybe he did it, it which to me, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I'm very much, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, there's innocence here. I can't recall who it was, but they done they had done a show after the fact where they went to go actually talk to Don. Like somebody actually went to go like knock on his door to try to talk to Don. And I mean, to this day, he refuses to talk to anybody about it. You know, he's claiming, I think at the time terminal illness or something of the sort, but they're basically saying, you know, why is he hiding? Why won't he speak about it? But there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of controversy controversy around Don also, just because like I said, you know, that his mom was his manager. You know, his time card wasn't 
punched in and out, you know, at the time that he started working, it was something she went in and edited on the back end. And this is something that came out after the fact. Um, that was the other thing too, that was very controversial is at the time, it didn't sound like they had a whole lot of witnesses. They weren't looking at a lot of witnesses. They really became very, they put blinders on and they became very focused on Adnan. They claimed there was a payphone at Best Buy, which mm-hmm. is where <laughs> there were calls that were made. I think it was from Jay to Adnan to go pick him up. And they later found out that in the blueprints to the specific Best Buy, there was never a payphone around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a lot of... um a lot of stuff that came up after the fact that to me, it's like I said, you know, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't understand. I, I wouldn't, I don't see the motive for him wanting to kill her, you know, to this day. She loves they, they keep, he's happy for her. That's I mean, he really though, <laughs> I'm just like, playing devil's advocate here. No, but. I mean, I, I get it, but in, in looking at that, I just feel like, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. She left him. Yeah, fine. But if there was ever a time to kill her, why, why then? And none of the other stuff matches up. And that's the thing is, is I, I listened to podcasts for, for like weeks. There was, I, I don't remember the case as well as you do, um, but Serial is a whole series of episodes mm-hmm. just I think it was 10, case. I think. Yeah. And then Disclosed so was so even. much. Yeah. You know, there's so much information and so much. I honestly, like when we talked about it, yeah, I was like, mm, he might've done it, but it's because there's just nothing unfortunately for him there's nothing that's like you know solid proof that no. he didn't do it and that's kind of where it's that um I guess would that be considered burden of proof yeah I, I mean, mean there's, there's nothing what's that called or how do they explain it you can't say without a shadow of a doubt that yeah he didn't do it because there's that little bit you know that's just like mm-hmm. they, they have just enough to cast the doubt unfortunately yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but they continue to, to fight his case. It's just unfortunate because assuming I'm right, and there are the millions of other people who've heard this case out there who also believe that he's innocent, uh, assuming we're all right, like there's somebody out there who killed Heyman Lee who never paid for her murder. And there's this innocent man whose life got basically tossed in the trash because people refuse to really thoroughly review the case. But yeah, that was a very messy version of it. But it's like you said, I think it's hard to really, um, really quickly in like a quick 10 minute, whatever, how long that was, you know, summary, give you all of the information that there is with all of this. But if you're curious about it, definitely go listen to Serial uh, season one and then Undisclosed season one as well. Yeah, good luck. I think I remember... (laughs) I remember like getting out a notebook and trying to write down like all the evidence <laughs> against Adnan yeah. and like I was doing like these little um, web diagrams uh-huh. of like who was who and like I couldn't do it. I was like, it's this just is too it's much. so much. It's so much. Um, and did you do that from Serial? Mm-hmm. Did you ever listen to Undisclosed? No. Oh my goodness. So Undisclosed actually has lawyers who go through all of that, Rabia being one of them, and then a couple of other really good ones. And I really like it because they they do kind of play devil's advocate like you did a minute ago, where they're just like, well, what about this? And did you guys talk about this or did you consider this? But the amount of information, oh my God, it's truly like an overload of information. It's an intense case, but if it's something that you're into and you've not heard this case, I highly recommend it. That'll suck you right in. Yep, for sure. Start with cereal, though. 
that's the lighter of the, <laughs> of the information. But if you've heard it and you're looking for something else, definitely check out Undisclosed. I guess with that, Arasani, do you have any other um, like podcasts or YouTube channels or Facebook pages or Instagram pages or anything like that, that you'd recommend people to check out for like other true crime? Well, there's, like we said, there's the podcast, there's Crime Junkie. I'm very much mm-hmm. um, about Crime Junkie. Uh, some people really like. My other favorite, True Crime favorite? Obsessed. No, well, no, that one's, I think, okay, but I don't listen to it. I know you don't. I love it. My friend had recommended uh, Morbid. Ah, yes. I there are some like people who really like Morbid. Much. Yeah, but I didn't like it as much. Um, Not one of my favorites. No, but I had mentioned before, I don't remember in which uh, episode it was that I also listened to YouTube mm-hmm. true crime and my favorite on there is Bailey Sarian mm-hmm. um, she does makeup mystery Mondays I think is what it's called every Monday <laughs> she well not she's taking a break right now she recently she said it was starting to kind of become a lot I think so she's taking a little bit of a break but there's a lot of episodes from her that she um, uploads on Mondays and then um Kendall Ray is another one that also uh, does some good ones. And they both actually uh, did an episode on the Black Dahlia. Oh, yeah. That's another good one. That one sucked me in too. Mm -hmm. That was actually um, my first episode on BuzzFeed that I watched that hooked me up to YouTube True Crime was the Black Dahlia. Mm -hmm. Well, that one I didn't know about because I don't think Crime Junkie has done this one. I don't think I've heard them do it either. Um, but that one was kind of a crazy episode. And actually, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many episodes that you just left like, what? Yeah. Well, and I think we had talked originally, like, let's talk about, like, our number one favorite. And then it's, it was really hard. And I think we ended up settling for, like, the ones we just talked about. But there really are so many cases mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyone locally in Colorado, um, one of the cases I kind of wanted to talk about was Chris Watts' case. Obviously, that's a more um, recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's been popping up on a lot of radars recently. And I think um, Crab Ducky did recently mm-hmm. do that case. Yeah, that one was a um, very popular one. But you were saying Black Dahlia, sorry. No, it's just another one. That one. That one's kind of old. That one's from back in like the 40s, mm-hmm. 1940s. But I had never heard of it before. Apparently, it's fairly popular as well in mm-hmm. true crime. Um, it's an but, unsolved. Yeah. What What do you know about that one? Um, so this is where it might get kind of graphic. So if you're um, a bit squeamish or this may uh, trigger you, you know, we would advise that you fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, But with this one, um, basically, and I don't know if you want me to summarize kind of what I know, and then you fill in the blanks with whatever you have. Um, But basically, there was a woman um, walking, I believe, walking home, or she was out walking, um, thought what she saw looked like two pieces of a mannequin um, in like, what was now, I guess, the yard of a house, but at the time was like an empty lot. Um, and as she got closer, she actually realized it was uh, a woman's body, a naked woman's body at that, that was sawed in half, or not sawed, but it was cut in half, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so pale because it had been drained of its blood, it appeared to, to like afterwards, which is a reason that it looked like a mannequin, it's because it had been drained. Um, 
But after that, when they were looking into it, um, it, it looked like she moved to California from I'm not sure where to kind of, you know, start this new life as like a, as a star, like that was her goal. Um, I think they had found her that she'd dr been out drinking with a gentleman the night prior, but they cleared him, if I recall correctly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, fill in the blanks. It's kind of a high level what I know of it. Um, yeah, I, her name her name was uh, Elizabeth Short. Mm -hmm. She was 22, which is uh, like, oh, young. 22. Careful if you're 22. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, she, yeah, she was, she lived in Florida. She'd moved to LA. Um, she was an aspiring actress, it seems like. Um, and she, apparently she had originally moved to be with her dad that had mm. left them when she was younger and she wasn't really doing much in the house that she was living in with him and he thought she was lazy so he kicked her out <laughs> and so then she was kind of just couch surfing and a lot of her friends or people that knew her kind of didn't say very nice things about her so she was kind of a freeloader one of the women the last woman that she lived with that's um one of the last people that saw her was uh the one that said that she ended up leaving with this gentleman that she left with and I think they said his name was Red where he went by red um that was the night before and yeah that next morning a lady just walking by her daughter came across her body they said so she was cut in half i think at the waist they mm -hmm. said it was very surgical almost meticulously like, right? like surgically done so someone that apparently knew what they were doing mm -hmm. and that the two pieces were about a foot apart from each other yeah that she was drained from all her blood and she was so pale and that's why she thought it was a mannequin mm -hmm. yeah she was posed, um, right? They said that when they found her, her body was like posed. Not only was it like, it wasn't like just thrown out, like it looked like it had been posed, right? Yeah, it was, it was posed. She had uh, slits from the edges of her mouth mm -hmm. all the way up to her ears, which I think this kind of where a lot of, you know, the movie, some characters with that depiction and like mm -hmm. Halloween, they get that Comes from, from that. The, yeah. the Black Dahlia. Um, and then she had, what else? Just several cuts on her. I think they said mm -hmm. her thighs and her breasts. And then Bailey, when I listened to her talk about the story, she said that there was on some part of her body, there was like tic-tac-toe, like a game oh. of tic-tac-toe slashed into her skin. I did not know that. She was really <laughs> obviously disturbed about. Um, that's not funny. But yeah, she was really just like kind of... <laughs> disturbed about that piece just mm -hmm. like why like why like someone's obviously messed up in the head right but yeah that was one of those unsolved mysteries I don't think they ever to this day they haven't found out who killed her or who did this mm -mm. to her and I think some people have tried to claim that they committed the crime but they've well not only that but there was actually a series not that long ago um I think it's called The Root of All Evil. I listened to it a little bit. It's a podcast also and I think it's also a TV show where there's actually a man who not long ago, I can't remember how long ago, but he came forward basically saying that he thought I believe it was his dad had killed the Black Dahlia. He had said his father had kept or his grandfather or whomever had kept photos and they had a photo of a woman that he was convinced was Elizabeth or the black dahlia mm -hmm. and there's like a whole like if you go back and you listen to these again if you like deeper dives there's like other family members who say no like my father's the one who did it there was an i think this guy that, that i was just talking about he was like a police officer who then like 
made his life dedicated towards finding, you know, if his father was truly the killer of the Black Dahlia. Mm -hmm. But no, he was like convinced that his father had killed her in this surgical room that he had hidden in his house yeah but yeah you're right I mean people do come forward saying like no it was me or no it was there me. was also a girl that was her friend and she had claimed that you know they were friends but they also had a romantic relationship oh so you know this was back 1940s or 1950s you know I think at that point maybe but you know lesbian relationships or you know same-sex relationships was not you know, a accepted. Thing. Yeah. So I think that was part of the reason why it turned into such a big case mm-hmm. you know, at the time, because, you know, I'm sure reporters were taking it and running with it. But that woman said that, you know, there was this going on. And I think there was some jealousy, maybe because maybe she had a relationship with someone else. And then I think at that point, she tried to confess again to the murder. And she stated that in more graphic terms, basically that she had cut off her hair and shoved it up her bajay. Oh. And this took everyone by surprise because that was a detail about how they found her that they had not released to anyone. So they thought they had maybe definitely found the murderer because, you know, no one else knew about this, but it turned out later that this woman or this friend knew, I think it was one of the police fo- police officers that had been handling uh. the case or something. So some of that information might have been, you know, leaked to yeah. this woman. And I think there were other things that were like ruling her out. So they're like, okay, that wasn't her, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it was just so much, you know, like just kind of scandalous and crazy details about what happened with her and I think they had named her the Black Dahlia based kind of off of a movie that was out at the time it was I don't remember if it was Blue Dahlia but she sounded like I think she used to wear black and she had black long hair uh-huh. and so that's how they ended up deeming her the Black Dahlia she was very pretty too so. she was beautiful yeah pretty pretty girl and very crazy and- but interesting case and I think I don't know maybe that's why I get so i I think that is why I get so interested in these is because you kind of have to wonder like what goes through these people's head like how do you get to point or where do you like for someone to do something like this I can't imagine that this was the only crime they ever committed oh no you know so who else are you have your well and that's I think why they were saying that this guy's theory made sense is because maybe there were other murders like maybe there were other women that were there that were a part of all of this mm-hmm. like just people that like it just like it just doesn't make sense that somebody would like with her that's not like a crime of passion mm-hmm. where there was like like Alma's case it sounds you know because he didn't have priors because it doesn't sound like he had a history of being I mean I don't think there was right a history of being like aggressive or abusive well they said that doesn't seem like yeah it might have been more for him yeah like the heat of the moment, mm-hmm. like it's just right in that moment, the, the the anger or whatever it is that caused him to snap. Um, but with the Black Dahlia, for example, that's something you took your time with. Mm-hmm. That's something you took pride in doing, I feel like. So it's not like it was something that just like, it happened once and you're done. Like that's something someone, you know, you perfected that somehow and likely through practice. Black Dahlia just happened to be the one that they kind of put out there, I guess. 
that they found. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All of these cases, I think like if we really did a deep dive into them, (laughs) we could talk about it forever. Oh my gosh. There's so much. And there's so many cases and Mm -hmm. there's like so many like consistent things that you see through a lot of like serial killers Mm -hmm. or, you know, just the stories in general. Like there's a lot of, I don't know, just consistent like patterns and people's behavior and how they commit the crime and even like certain situations. It's just crazy to me. it's nuts like <laughs> I like the things that we usually learn from crime junkie like they have so many rules and that's why oh, yeah. like <laughs> sometimes I like I'm living my life and then I think about them like like the mannequin the mannequin thing where it's like they always say it's never a mannequin you think it's a mannequin it's never you a you're mannequin. seeing a mannequin it's never a mannequin, <laughs> it's, never a mannequin. <laughs> it's true though it seems like in stories like that, they're always just like, they thought it was a mannequin. It's never a mannequin. It's never a mannequin. What, what's or, what they say? Be rude, be weird, stay alive. Is that what it is? Be rude, be weird, stay alive. Something like that. Yeah. Um, One of the other ones is like, uh, and I think about this often too. Uh, they say, usually when you have something important to tell someone, you tell them, I have something important to tell you. Yeah. But they don't ever end up telling them because something crazy happened to them and it was probably the one thing that could have saved them or that could have solved the crime so always 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 if you have something important or something you know concerning to tell someone just tell them don't tell them I have something important to tell you and then don't tell them them. (laughs) you won't probably never tell them create and if I go missing file oh yes yes that's very important it could it could be what solves your disappearance or your murder put, put something out there and then tell somebody it's out there don't just, just create, create it, it. <laughs> hope, hope someone finds it <laughs> well it's like um the case of ray rivera you and i talked about this very shortly mm-hmm. ray rivera didn't he have like that weird random note taped to the back of his computer that made no sense to anybody yeah there was something um, I don't remember what the note said, but it was, just it was weird. something super bizarre that made sense to like no one. Yeah. That was some shady stuff for that one. That one Ray is another one that's like, like crazy case. That one is one of the ones that probably bothered me the most that is mm-hmm. like, oh, what, what happened here? The house okay. guest. I know they say they cleared her, but it's like, but really like that quickly. Mm, I don't think so. I feel like his case was more of like some sort of, I don't want to say conspiracy because I'm not very mm-hmm. big into conspiracies, but uh, <laughs> like something to do with some like bad hombres involvement. Well, did, I don't know if you'd heard this because I, I heard a couple different podcasts around this, but this is the one where they, um, they talked about how his friend had brought him out from like the East Coast or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But then his friend was just like kind of not very willingly involved and then I think after the fact he had he was just like refusing to talk in general mm-hmm. yep and he was I think telling his employees to also not talk about mm-hmm. what had happened so just if you like, guys are, are interested uh the Ray Rivera Ray Rivera case just to not 
make this episode crazy Sorry. long, but, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I, well, maybe they want to know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, basically, he um, he was basically recently married to his wife about mm-hmm. six months. They moved out um, to I don't know where they live. But it's like to Maryland, North, I think, or something. Brent, oh, North Carolina think, or something. Like the Bronx or I don't know. Um, anyways, they oh, moved yeah, New, out. New York, yeah. yeah, and. He was working with his friend and his you wife should add the town. The friend actually offered him the job, mm-hmm. which is why they moved. Right. So he was working with his friend and like prior to him going missing, like there were a couple episodes where in the middle of the night, like his home alarm system had gone mm-hmm. off and he was like, I guess he was like a over six feet tall, 200 plus pound man. And he was extremely frying. Like his wife said that he had overreacted like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't very normal but one day he gets a phone call and leaves in a hurry middle of eating some potato chips and never came back home mm-hmm. his wife um, was on a business trip the mm-hmm. only person home when this happened was a house guest that they had at the time Friend of i think he left like in his flip-flops very casual just up and left mm-hmm. they ended up finding him what like a week later yeah like a week later they found like his car later. in a in a parking lot which is the reason they even found him it's like a hotel parking lot mm-hmm. and his friends were looking at, were out looking for him and they went out to one of the hotel roofs that were like was the highest you know the highest roof and they looked down and they saw that what was it called the belvedere the belvedere hotel, hotel. Mm-hmm. they saw um, flip-flop right i think they saw the flip they saw two flip-flops and a phone and so they got very concerned they called police and they got access to the building mm-hmm. and i think this was the floor that nobody had access to or it was they closed didn't. at the time for construction or something it, i think no one had access to it and then on top of that there was a hole in the roof but no one's really ever up there, which is the reason that I think nobody really ever was anywhere near the area. And I guess once they finally accessed it, I think the security guard, right, was the one who got hit with like the smell, I think. And then there he was. The cell phone was intact. The uh, flip flops were like normal wear, right? I think it was like mangled. Normal. I think they said they yeah. were a little bit mangled. And the glasses were not broken either, if I recall correctly, right? It's just, just the glasses were... Yeah, they said that it looked almost like because of the condition of the phone and the glasses, it almost looks like it was staged. Mm-hmm. But they just don't understand. I think they had mentioned, right, that the fall from where the hole was to where he was wouldn't have necessarily killed him, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think they were saying, because they were trying to say that it was a suicide mm-hmm. and that he had jumped off of one of the other roofs yeah. or something to the to that and yeah. that just it wasn't making sense the way um that they were trying to explain they were trying to say that he would run and and jump Mm -hmm. off it just nothing was making sense but his injuries were like pretty bad and some of the injuries were also not consistent with the consistent with that kind of fall so and then there's just some shady stuff like i said like that friend wasn't like Mm -hmm. at first he was trying to give a reward you know, for information. Yeah. And they later he wasn't very cooperative. That weird and then note. I think one of the investigators, like the main investigator that was looking into the case that didn't believe it was a suicide, he was later changed. Like they took him off the case and put someone else on. So then, you know, there were just red flags everywhere. Like something's not going on right here. And I mean, really guys, if you ever want to invite us out for drinks, <laughs> we could talk true crime forever. it's just crazy that to me like that's what i'm saying i feel like he was probably involved maybe him and his friends were involved in some sort of you know black market type stuff or i don't know you know something 
and something went wrong. That's why he was so scared. That's why he was panicking. That's why he left in a rush. And I personally think that maybe he was, oh, because conveniently the uh, security cameras and everything that were set up, they had been disconnected, I think the night before he went missing. Hmm. And so, so for some reason, security camera footage never is working when something like this happens. That's another thing. I or learned. if it's working, it's CCTV and it, it's recorded <laughs> over in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so bad. But uh, yeah. so they didn't have any of that information. I think, you know, people just, those people are, like you said, bad hombres. And I think yeah. he was thrown off of a helicopter or something. Something like that. And that's how he got to where he was at. And they probably just threw out his flip-flops and his stuff and sayonara. Moved on with their life. Pobrecito. Yeah. But there's a lot of crazy, other crazy, crazy cases like that. But it's just, um, yeah, get sucked in. For sure. There. So anyways, I well. think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but hope we haven't bored you guys to death (laughs) yes and uh maybe you guys will be interested in checking those out yeah um all right thank you guys so much for listening (laughs) um don't forget to share review follow and uh stick around share with your friends Mm -hmm. and come back next time yes hopefully leslie will be back oh yes leslie will be back (laughs) yeah so exciting All right. All right. (laughs) We'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.